Our reading this morning comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm number 72, and that's on page 585 if you've got a pew Bible. Psalm 72. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. He will judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. The mountains will bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. He will defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. He will crush the oppressor. He will endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. He will be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days, the righteous will flourish. Prosperity will abound till the moon is no more. He will rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The desert tribes will bow before him, and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of distant shores will bring tribute to him. The kings of Sheba and Seba will present him gifts. All kings will bow down to him, and all nations will serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given to him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. Let corn abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. Let its fruit flourish like Lebanon. Let it thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. All nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvellous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen. And amen. Well, we have one word that sums up the sermon, and that is Emmanuel, which is taken from Isaiah chapter 7. I want to use the gateway to this from the New Testament by uh, asking initially a question. What's in a name? For those of you who've had children, how often does it, uh, how long does it take you to decide what are we going to call him or her, your children? Well, in our culture, for the most part, what's in a name? Not a lot. Uh, I recall visiting the, uh, the um, Stoke Mandeville maternity suite and speaking to uh, a Muslim uh, lady and saying, what name are you going to give your son? And she said to me, I'm going to look in the Islamic book because if I have a good name, I will have a good son. 
I said, call him Jeffrey. And she didn't think that was funny, particularly, <laughs> particularly it was her fourth cesarean. I mean, that's quite something. You don't crack jokes like that. Poor child's just 18 hours old. Well, what's in a name? What's in a name? In generations uh, past, often names reflected um, what people did. They were called by their particular trade or profession. So it's quite like um, Mr. Brewer would be a good name, or Barber, or Thatcher. Now, there's a good name. Um, Smith, Story, uh, Goldsmith. Got to rate top of the rung, Sid. Goldsmith. Steadman's pretty good. I was called Steady Steadman at school, and I tried to live up to that. So, what's in a name? Is it just a handle, or is there something more? Certainly, once we get into, into the Bible, uh, old and new, names take on great significance. Great significance. And clearly, here, this prophetic word that's given through Isaiah has a double meaning, as, as all Old Testament prophecies do. There's an immediate and there's a prophetic, a long-term one. Commentators think that this was um, Isaiah's wife, who was um, uh, a virgin at the time, and um, the prophecy was that she was to bear a child. There is historic significance uh, linked to that. But clearly, it had a much bigger canvas, a much greater prophetic implication, which here we are on this first Sunday of Advent, we are celebrating. Names have great significance. Um, take, for example, when we say... Sometimes I say, at, uh, I was doing it on Friday at, uh, at the crematorium, when you say, we are here to say goodbye to the deceased. Goodbye is rooted in God be with you. It's good that when we say goodbye to people, that's what we are saying. God be with you. We're almost saying Emmanuel. Christmas is big. It's big commercially. It's massive on the media, family, church, and I hope that it is equally big personally. There are two dangers, rather obvious dangers, I hope, when we think and as we approach Advent. The first is that when Christmas is celebrated and there's all this build-up and so forth, it is almost seen as an isolated event. It's a, it's a date on the, the calendar as part of the Christian uh, calendar and diary. December the 25th itself is quite evocative. But the, the truth is that Christmas is the accumulation, the climax of God preparing his people for the Messiah who is to come. But more than that, confidence that the future is secure in him, whatever happens in our world. Because Advent is about not only his initial coming, not only his coming again, but as we were trying to say in our prayer, that he comes to us in, in a variety of ways. 
often ways that we fail to recognize. First danger, then, it's an isolated event. The second danger is that it's rather impersonal. You see, the prophets are clear. This is not a special birthday or a special event. It is that. But infinitely much more. Do you see how personal it is? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. You will call him Jesus. He will save his people. It's very personal. Christmas is very personal. For to you, this day is born in the city of David, a saviour. For you, that's personal. So let's beware of those two dangers. Of the first, it's nearly an isolated event, an event on the calendar, and some people might sigh because of certain problems and difficulties, and we're glad it's all over. I'm a number of people who think like that. Or that we see it purely in terms of a celebration and nothing more. So let's try to do a little... Um, early preparation in our thinking. I would want to suggest to all of us this morning, in, in the light of this, four uh, disciplines that we can adopt. I want us to try to take these personally and take them seriously as we think about the, the busyness of our lives for the most part. Four timely Disciplines, mainly from Matthew chapter 1, which makes reference to Isaiah's prophecy. We'll come to that in a moment. But first of all, this is something I have to work very hard at, and I'm not good at it, and it is silence. Silence. I know there is an embarrassing silence, but there is surely a powerful, a pregnant pause of silence where we are aware of the sheer majesty and glory of the living God. So, in Matthew's Gospel, and that you don't need to turn to it unless you want to, but if you leave it open, you will see. I wonder if you've noticed the, the force of this. As it announces the birth of Jesus, this is how it takes place. And then in verse 20... Joseph, perhaps the unsung uh, hero of the Christmas narrative. Uh, Verse 20, I mean, this has never happened before. Uh, Joseph, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. There was a long silence for Joseph. After he had considered, sat down, thought, What am I going to do? What are people going to say? Who is going to believe me? Powerful silence. Put it in a different way then for a moment. If you have received a gift so precious, so rare, not simply in terms of its intrinsic value, but its uniqueness, though it may be of great value as well. And have you heard some people who perhaps even publicly are given a gift and they say, I don't know what to say. They are speechless. 
And that's how the Apostle Paul records this event. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What a challenge to anybody to try to convey this. And so there are times, surely, when we sit in quiet silence because this is too wonderful for words, for any sermon, for anything. Can we capture that sometime during this Advent season? That's the first Timely discipline. The second is this. It's linked to it, but it's different. And that is solitude. We have so little of it. Joseph sat and considered, and life was so pressurized for him. Just turn to um, Luke's account um, of this um, narrative here of... of, uh, the birth of Jesus. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 19 and 20. Let's move on to Mary for a moment. Just have little vistas of this and think. Thinking about solitude. It's noisy. The shepherds are noisy. They are charismatic They've seen the glory of God and they've come. And and in that context, Mary treasured up all these things. Of these, the lowest echelons of society. Smelly farmers. Out during lambing season. And there was a moment to capture the solitude in the midst of noise and excitement, Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in, the heart, in her heart. The shepherds returned. She was probably glad they did. They returned glorifying and praising God. She treasured up these things. Life is so frenetic. How... They, now this is where we can quote so many excellent carols because we only sing them this time of the year. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift was given and God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. Solitude, so little of it. And thirdly, simplicity. Simplicity. Life is incredibly complicated and increasingly so. And coming back to Matthew's account in verse 21, say she gave birth to a son and you have to give him the name Jesus. And it's not complicated and you don't need theologians or prophets or experts or visionaries. How simple is this? You're to give birth to a son, his name is Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And anybody can understand that. And we need to receive it. Life is so complicated. I'm going to shock you now by quoting to you something that is called the Immaculate Misconception. It's a parody of modern-day 
Christmas, not as we are seeing it here, but how many people do. Where you've got fact and fiction, tradition and truth, Father Christmas and Father in Heaven. Once upon a time, there was a little girl who wore a long red cloak with a hood. One fine day, she was skipping through the forest to visit her grandma. But she arrived to find her wicked stepmother disguised in grandma's wig, saying, quote, all the better to clean the kitchen floor with. All of a sudden, an angel appeared in a blinding flash, and he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house down, and after the dust had settled, don't worry, little Mariella, blessed art thou among women. You won't have to mop the floors with granny's blue rinse anymore. You shall go to the ball, and I will turn this pumpkin into a baby buggy. Little Red Mariella said, That's wonderful. But before you go to the ball, you are going to have a baby. She said, But I'm not married. The angel said, Don't worry. Father Christmas is going to come down the chimney and give you one. Oh, she said, That sounds so lovely. I'll go and tell my prince of a boyfriend, Joel. He's charming. Joel, his response. Are you getting the picture of this? Joel couldn't believe it and nearly dumped her because he thought she had cheated on him. But he had a dream. And in his dream, he asked the mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of us all? The mirror said, you are being fair by marrying the girl. Because... She's been fair to you, and fair play. He didn't want the ugly sisters to say, Oh, yes, you did, and her to say, Oh, no, I didn't. She, he played the hero and married the girl, ding-dong merrily on high, and they lived happily ever after. Now, that is how many people see Christmas. And if you're shocked by that, you should be. Because often that is exactly how it is. And it's no good us pretending. Somehow the genius, the glory of Christmas has been eclipsed and layered by tradition and mysticism and sentimentality. And yet in the stark reality, Christmas is quite shocking. We need to reclaim it. And we have an opportunity every time when we think about Advent... And we say to people, as I said on Friday at the crematorium, the grieving family, this, that God is with you in your joy and in your sorrow. That you can't simply believe in him in the good times and not the bad times. In the mystery of birth, in the tragedy of death, in sickness and in health and in everything. That is what Emmanuel means. And if we as Christian people embrace God to say, you're only with me in the good times, it's a rather poor and impoverished faith. And little wonder you're going to get depressed and blame God. And yet surely Emmanuel is that he's with us all the time.
all the time. What's in a name? Well, names are funny things. Uh, in Shrewsbury, there's a very well-respected legal firm and estate agent, Peter Warner, you'd appreciate this, and it's called Doolittle and Dally. Uh, yes, it's, it's Mr. Doolittle who merged with Mr. Dally. One was uh, a lawyer and one was a estate agent. Could you imagine? No. It sends different signals, doesn't it? And only confirms certain prejudices. But think of the prejudices that we confirm when we come to church. Little do we know. There are so many misconceptions. And it is only as we're willing to engage with the unchurched, if we dare to do it, will we know it. Much safer to stick with Christians, isn't it? So that we can meet with people and have our prejudices confirmed. But that is not the real Christmas. So let's try to round this off quickly. Three names given to the Son of God at his birth. Jesus. For our 40th wedding anniversary, we went to Gran Canaria. And I met Jesus. He was serving ice cream in the hotel. I said to him, you have a lovely name. The Spanish call their offspring Jesus. And I talked to him and said, I love Jesus. He gave me an extra portion of ice cream. It's true. What's in a name? A name. Savior. The Hebrew, Yeshua. We call our sons Joshua. Jehovah is salvation. The Lord saves. That's what it means. And he is the deliverer. And the point of Christmas is this, that he becomes my deliverer as I trust in him. Jesus saves. That's what he does. Nobody does it better than him. He saves. It's what he does. So, make him your saviour. And affirm him as your Lord. And that is Advent. He's called the Christ, Jesus the Christ. And the word, as you know, means anointed, the, the Greek Messiah. Jesus the Messiah. The name that conveys now human and divine. And we come right back to where we started, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And so, I'll read to you in Matthew 1 and verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And you will call his name Emmanuel, which means, as we know, God with us. God with us. That's who he is. He's the God who's with us. I hope that's a comfort, but I hope also it can be disturbing. Do you want him with you when he hears what you say and, and goes with you to certain events and places? He's with me. Am I comfortable with him? Is he comfortable with me? God is with us. 
You can't pick and choose, can you? But the application surely is this, that God is taking the initiative. He does that. Speaking to us clearly, he's doing that now. Challenging us personally, he's doing that now. Providing for us lovingly, he's been doing it and he's promised to do it throughout 2012 and into 2013 if the Lord spares us. Emmanuel. I know many of you are familiar with this. It's not, I don't think it's particularly cheesy. I think it has something to say to us about um, Emmanuel. Uh, footprints in the sand. Some of us are familiar with it. It'll be first for some of you. Just listen to this. Because it, it reminds us that God is with us even when we complain that he isn't. One night I dreamed I walked along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two sets, other times only one. This troubled me. Because I noticed that during the periods of my life when I suffered the most anguish, I could see only one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, Lord, you promised to be with me. You are you are Emmanuel. And if I followed you, you would be with me always. Yet, I noticed during the most trying periods of my life, there was only one set of footprints in the sand. Why? When I needed you most, you were there the least. And the Lord replied, the years when you have seen one set of footprints is when I carried you the most. And we don't see that. We will one day. And that is surely the point of Emmanuel is that it's not just a good name. I am with you. I am with you. Always. Always. And surely it must mean that he is with us, breaking into our disordered world, our chaotic lives. To us, a child is born, a son is given. And in this Advent, he comes, he comes again. He's the coming Lord. Let's be more receptive to his coming. Let's be more discerning to his presence. Let's be more open to what he's going to do. Let's be prepared to be surprised by the joy of his presence. Strengthened and renewed and fortified. Make this to be a season where we know that he is with us. The last of those four disciplines is, and perhaps the most challenging, is surrender. Surrender sounds as if you've given up. You surrender under duress. But the truth is the opposite. It is the submission of all that we are to the Lord whose will is good and perfect.
let it be to me according to your word, is a powerful statement at the birth of the Lord Jesus. As we step outside the manger scene for a moment and imagine what it must have been like for Jesus. He left the absolute perfection of heaven, something we cannot conceive of for a cattle trough. He set aside the independent use of all divine attributes, which is inconceivable to us. And for those 33 years, humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross. What a powerful incentive it is for us to use these disciplines. Jesus modeled them. Simplicity, silence, solitude, and surrender. May these deepen our relationship with the Lord and put these disciplines into practice. And I feel sure that this Advent will be unique, characterized by a greater sense of his living presence.